Welcome to another episode of GDPR Now, a podcast dedicated to GDPR and all things privacy. GDPR Now is brought to you by This Is DPO, and this week we are looking at uh, cyber breach insurance, cyber insurance, what it is, uh, how you should buy it, how you should notify under it if you have a claim. Uh, your host this week is Mark Sherwood Edwards, that's me, and in the studio I have Richard Sprague of London City Insurance Brokers RFIB Group Limited, I think it's their formal name, they're known as RFIB. Richard, why don't you uh, introduce yourself and tell us a bit about what you do as a, bro- as a broker? Yeah, I've, uh, I've been in uh, the cyber um, insurance uh, area for the last um, 17 or 18 years. Um, it developed out of uh, professional indemnity tech, uh, technology, errors and emissions, um, and it developed into its own, its own product line. Um, so I came to RFIB about 12 years ago, uh, and we've um, started uh, a practice within the last um, sort of five, five years, really, running, running a dedicated cyber operation. Uh, we specialise in SME business, but that could be, depending on where you are in the world, it could be uh, uh, revenues up to $250 million um, in certain territories like the US, but um, uh, and obviously slightly smaller as we go um, around the world. So we've uh, developed a product um, in conjunction with a number of insurers, um, which would cover, amongst other things, uh, privacy and, and, and the like. But it also covers the business interruption, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I think privacy is what we're talking about yeah, today, primarily. Yes, that's right. And let me get this understand it. So the, the function of the broker is uh, to represent the client, the company who's looking for the insurance, vis-à-vis the, the person who actually can provide the insurance. And your job as a broker is to make sure that they are well to get the best price, but also to make sure the insurance that they purchased is appropriately configured, the right shape, the right issues? Yes, typically um, that, that's exactly what we do. We, we, we sit there, we create a product um, tailored to, to the needs of, of, of the various clients uh, and then we would present that to various markets, um, i.e. insurers, uh, to find the most appropriate insurer to, 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 um, to offer the cover that, that, we're, that we're asking for. Now what we're seeing is that obviously people are used to buying traditional insurances like um, property, etc., etc. So we've just got to ensure that um, where some clients may think they have cover, because uh, a traditional policy may say, for example, business interruption, uh, that they are covered for non-physical business interruption, which is where cyber steps in to the same to traditional policies. So what we do sometimes see is we're we're, we're tailoring policies around traditional insurances that, that the audience today may have. So uh, we're not necessarily sending, selling a standalone cover, we're selling a cover that fits around another product. Um, so we're, we're trying to fill gaps. So we develop the product with the clients for various industry sectors, which could be um, lawyers, it could be accountants, it could be general service sector. So we look at industry sectors, we see what their requirements are, and we build up, and then we find market, we match it, and then we um, organise a claims um, process, which we may want to talk about um, later on. Okay, and actually that raises an interesting point. So <clears throat> I guess people buy, a company will typically buy insurance under different heads, 
types of insurance, and there's quite an important job with something like cyber insurance, which is quite a broad term to make sure that all the bits of insurance actually marry up, and so you don't fall between two stools yes. or something and, and suffer. Yes, exactly. I mean. Um, Historically, for example, if you were buying professional indemnity, you may have said, well, whoever's providing a professional service, um, their duty of care is to keep my data private. Mm. Um, a lawyer would be an example of that, but that wouldn't be limited to a lawyer. Uh, it could be an M&A activity, etc., etc. Now, that is true that the PI policy, professional indemnity policy, would they do have a duty of care to keep the, the information private. However, there could be a cyber exclusion written into that policy. Mm. Therefore, we've got to ensure, see what the language looks like and make sure that our policy fits in. And So knowing what their clients are already buying is as important as saying just buy a generic cyber policy. It's, it, it's all about knowing what, um, knowing your client and knowing what they need and knowing what they've already got okay. and working around that. Okay, and in terms of taking international view, so we're both based in London. Yeah. To what extent is the business you're handling kind of UK, to what extent is international, and to what extent is the terminology or the approach the same around the world? So I'm, I'm thinking about people listening to podcasts who are not necessarily from the UK, thinking, well, does this apply to me, doesn't this apply to me? Well, I think, um, well, I, I suppose inherently um, RFIB themselves are a wholesale broker, so we do do um, some UK business, but that's a smaller percentage. Most of our business is outside the UK. Um, is the approach similar? The, the template for the insurance policies is very similar. However, um, how privacy is addressed is very different. So we, we've got some very significant structure around the EU legislation, GDPR, where other territories haven't and are catching up. So if you're looking at uh, privacy in the Far East, um, they will have their own regulation in Singapore, they will have their own regulation in Hong Kong, uh, I suspect the regulation will look very similar to the framework in the US and the UK, but and other territories may not have addressed it at all and are following on at a, at a slower pace. So they're the thing; they're the um, areas we've got to take into consideration. However, privacy is an integral part of the cover. Um, all that GDPR, for example, does it, it, it's um, there are significant fines and penalties that go with that. But privacy is still an issue to a client, regardless yeah. of what the penalty may be. Uh, but I, what I can say, and what we're all seeing, is that um, a framework of, around privacy will happen. It's just, it's here with us in the UK and Europe and the US, and the framework will follow yeah. in other territories where it's not as developed. But in terms of the, t the terminology, so the structures under which you will buy, uh, you'll buy your insurance cover are going to be the same more or less. Methodology works the same way, okay. yes. Yeah. Uh, okay. The claims process, the methodology um, is the same. Um, I, I, I should say that the policy is, is developing significantly. We're not at the end game of, of, of cyber yet. If you'd asked me what a cyber policy looked like 15 years ago, it looked very different to how it looks now and how we handle claims 15 years ago to how we handle claims now. So I think we're in a, we're in a, a, a development stage. We're offering a significant policy which, which has proven response. Uh, we are having claims. Uh, it works. It's fit for purpose. But just as the cyber world develops, so cyber insurance will develop with it. 
Okay, well, let's just talk about start at kind of the, at the kind of sharp end and maybe work backwards. Yeah. So, how how does uh, how does a, a cyber claim manifest itself, and how does it differ from a normal? Well, a claim on an old school professional indemnity policy. Yeah, so an old school policy, you would, um, you may have had an, uh, a, a professional indemnity, um, a negligent event. So um, you will get a letter or an email or some correspondence from the client saying, "Put your insurance on notice because you, you know, you've been deficient in your professional service." That would then get processed into Lloyd's. Um, and then something, and then nothing may happen for a, lot, a very significant amount of time. Cyber um, is very different in the fact that you you may or may not have had an event. Um, so you could have had a situation where you've got an outage um, and you can't access uh, your computers. You 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 then have a suspicion that that may be um, some malicious code, uh, some malware. Um, what do you do? You don't. There's no point sending an email. You, a, you might be able to send an email, but you, you you want an instant response to that. Time is absolutely of the essence within cyber. So the process we have developed, and um, and the market has developed, uh, is that you would get a free phone um, number. Uh, now it doesn't actually matter where you are in the world because cyber is not geographically set in London, for example. If you're where your office is, the event could have happened in your office in Kuala Lumpur. Um, normally um, you, would then, you would get a, um, uh, a free phone number that would be triaged and it, and it doesn't have to be in English, we can use multiple languages, if it happens in Japan etc we could get a Japanese responder. That triage could, will be a um, usually a loss adjusting firm, heavily, exper heavily experienced in, in the cyber um, arena. Um, beneath that um, would be a panel of experts who would look at uh, privacy, uh, PR uh, and other specialist um, areas um, and they would phone back, sorry if I backtrack slightly, um, the loss adjuster is the triage, they would then listen to what the event is the event may be a privacy event, that may mean there is more than one responder required. Therefore you could have um, a, um, a PR consultant ring back, it could be, or it would be, uh, a law firm to ring back in terms of the privacy, and they would ring back within two hours. Now what we're seeing is on our SLA agreements that, that people are actually getting phone calls back within 20 minutes. So within 20 minutes of you saying, I think I've had an event, you will get a response from whichever profession or expert um, is required. And it, what I'll try to illustrate, it could be multiple mm. experts. Okay, so that you, you ring the phone number, someone does a bit like you go to accident emergency yeah. in the hospital, someone yeah. does a triage, is it your foot, is it your arm, yeah. what kind of doctor need to yeah. see. And in the background will be uh, a panel of law firms, a panel of PR specialists, a panel of IT forensic specialists, and so on. Yeah, credit monitoring, etc. Okay. Et and depending, <clears throat> okay, and depending on the event or event is then perceived, the panel, the relevant bits of the panel, then get brought in, contact you, and get deployed. Yeah. So it's not like it's not like a home policy where my fridge is broken down and I get sent five hundred pounds to buy a new fridge. No. No. You, you don't get the money. You get the actual you, services. Instead. You get the services that that that. Um, help you get back on up and running. I mean, um, the customers that we have, the clients that we have, 
the most important thing to them is that they are back up and running as soon as possible. Um, if you are solely reliant and you're an online business, if you, if you're out of um, if you're offline for 24 hours, you, you could well be out of business. So the essence is we have to get you up and running very very quickly. So the other thing worth pointing out is that on your home insurance. Well, um, you, you will have an excess or deductible, which means you would pay the first £100, £200 or, three of, of, or dollars of, a, of, a, of any claim. There is no deductible on the remediation element, in, in, on the assistance. So that the client should not be put off by reporting what they think is an event, because oh, is it an event, is it not an event, well I've got my deductible to pay, there is nothing to worry about with that, it's literally ground up cover up to the limit that they purchase. Okay, let's come back, we'll come yeah. back to the limits yeah. a bit later. And is that, do you think that's better for a client rather than saying, well, um, uh, don't, rather than going down the panel route saying, well, we'll just cover, you go, you go and buy your own PR support, your own legal support, your own IT forensic support, up to an amount. Do you, you, is your view that the panel approach is better? Why would that be? Uh, I do think the panel approach is better because uh, I think, from the client's perspective, they can get uh, they can get best in class, and they can get best in class exactly when they want it. Normally, the situation would be an event happens. Um, if you haven't got a PR consultant, um, and he may already, if it's a systemic event, he may be dealing with another hundred customers. He may not have time to deal with you. Um, whereas the panel, that means this time slot, call it what you like, is, is fully reserved for your exclusive use. So you know you are going to get a response from a high calibre operative. Mm-hmm. Um, you may, if you're doing it yourself, end up going down a phone book trying to find the right guy for the job. And um, that, that might not be the, uh, well, it, it, it probably wouldn't be a prudent thing to do. Plus, you've got the advantage that the insurers we're using have, have, have handled numerous um, events. So they do know who is best at dealing with and rectifying problems probably better than, 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 than the client themselves may, may, may know. That said, um, the panel can be adjusted to um, possibly a, an industry sector. So if, if we're doing a, a cover for an affinity group, for example, they may say, we well, actually we have PR through XYZ company could we have them on the panel because we already have the relationship and they know us, mm. um, that could be accommodated. Um, that's part of the flexibility of coming to a Lloyd's broker and using um, London market in the fact that we, we aren't necessarily as rigid as your home insurance where you have to do what it says on it. We can bespoke that to a, to a degree. Um, so it, it, that, that can help them. Um, the other thing on a panel approach is, is, especially on privacy, we have a number of lawyers um, looking after the privacy aspect, um, or we, we, we try and have a number of lawyers, because you could always have the situation where they're conflicted, mm-hmm. where the preferred lawyer of the client is actually conflicted because he's dealing with another event with another one of their clients and it's, it all gets rather messy. So we would then automatically put another law firm in the, in, in the frame of equal quality. So. Um, Okay. That has its advantages as well. Understood. <coughs> and then in terms, okay, so, that, so that's where the claims work. And then let's, 
just talk a bit about the things that actually will pay out under the insurance cover. So let's just start with the, the, the thorniest one, which is fines. So if you get fined by the uh, by your local regulator, the ICO in UK, CNIL uh, in France, whoever, wh- what, what's the approach? Is that covered by the insurance? Fines and penalties, um, the insurance tries to cover, <laughs> is the best way to phrase it, it tries to cover fines and penalties. Um, so the phraseology is much like it is on a director's and officer's policy. It's, it's fines are covered where, where allowable in law. Okay. So in the UK, for example, we can't cover fines and penalties. We can cover all the remediation, but the actual fine is meant to be a fine. It's meant to be punitive. Yeah. It's meant to be... Uh, uh, so we cannot cover that here. So that varies territory Absolutely. by territory. And it's, uh, and it's not addressed in other territories. Um, okay. So it's, it can be silent. Um, so, but... Where, where insurers can cover it, they will cover it. Okay, <coughs> Okay. I'm, I've got a list. Okay, forensic costs. So the breach has happened, you need to send someone in to do the analysis to find out where, you know, how did the hackers get in, where, was the, where is the malicious code, and clean it all out. Those kind of investigations, uh, also maybe the, the cost of the ICO investigation, follow-on investigation, is that that we picked up by the insurance? Yeah, the, the um, IT forensics is fully is fully picked up. So, okay. um, finding data where it's gone, that getting you back on on track is is fully coverable. Okay. It's all right. Communications with the uh, data subject—that's a big issue, isn't it? So, yeah. So you're a big, you're a company. There's been a someone's hacked in. Uh, they've taken the details, bank and account details of a hundred thousand people. Say. Yeah. Then there's a, it's an obligation to contact those hundred. Absolutely. Well, it depends where you are in the world, uh, and certainly somewhere like America, it depends uh, which state you're in. But there is an obligation to notify. Um, now that could be you're notifying generally on a you know, through a newspaper vehicle or a media outlet, or you or you have to individually notify. Uh, or you have to actually write to everyone. Um, so the, all those notification, breach notifications are, are coverable costs. <coughs> and then you would look um, at, if you'd had a breach like that, costs such as credit monitoring, credit rectification for the individuals. Um, I mean, the well-known case um, sat out there is, is the Marriott case, um, where people's credit card details and various personal details are out in the public domain, there would have been notification um, via um, various outlets and that is a coverable uh, and, if I rem- and if I remember looking at the Marriott webpage after the breach you could actually <coughs> access some, I can't remember, some kind of ID theft protection kind of software or monitor whether you're... Yes. Whether so, you're and how that works is, is, is the companies will, will be monitoring the dark web to see if your name is coming up and your email addresses are coming up, etc, etc. Company, companies are on the panel to do exactly that and they will notify you. They would then start trying to correct your uh, credit records uh, and, uh, and, and if you have suffered a financial loss off the back of that, that is coverable as well. Okay, that's interesting. Um, because from recollection, that was one of the big when Talk Talk, in the, a UK mobile phone provider, had a breach about five years ago. Now yeah. that was, and they paid a huge amount. Well, it cost them a huge amount. Yes, and I, if I remember, that was part of the large part of the cost was the, yeah. the comms buying people some personal protection insurance. And presumably, the panel approach here means that you're not paying 
if you if it normally was a hundred per hundred pounds per person or hundred euros hundred dollars per person per year, if you bought it in normal circumstances, presumably the insurers negotiated special prices, so they effectively it's all built in. Yes, with all, with all the suppliers to the panel, the the insurers have. Um, a negotiated with who, in their view um, and our view, is 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 the best responder. But that, the, but they have the, the economies of scale to, to get um, significant savings on what you and I would have to, have to pay for. Okay, understood. Uh, so the insurance will cover your legal expenses, no doubt, vis-a-vis data subjects affected, and vis-a-vis the ICO, presumably, if yeah. you get into how to face off to them. Um, what about things like lost management time? Is that picked up so that would suck up quite a bit of management time? Well, you've got the increased cost of working, which is which is the business interruption element okay. um, of, of the coverage. And that's a separate head, is it? Increased cost of working. Well, they 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 it it would be it would be phrased under the business interruption element. Okay. Um, and we and as opposed to the business interruption that most of the firm, our listeners will be used to, which is you know a physical fire flood event. Yeah. Obviously, ours is a non-physical event. Which okay, causes yeah. them to have an outage. Um, so yes, that that that's the broad heading on that. We can go into more detail on that with clients because business interruption, uh, in itself, is is has its own calculations on how you do that, and each industry sector has a different business interruption. Looks different depending on what industry sector you're in. If you're in the petrochems, it's going to look different to if you're yeah. a um, an accountancy firm. Yeah. So, um, but. That's why we like to talk to the clients. Okay, and understood. each industry sector is a, is is approached slightly differently, shall I say? No, understood. Uh, and what about <laughs> reputational damage, stroke, loss of income? So, you know, if you were to- talk talk, a good example, their 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 business dropped off apparently dropped off noticeably after the breach. Yeah. Can no, we wouldn't cover, cover the you know if you're saying are we going to cover a share price dip? No, we're not covering a share price dip. That you know, as a consequential loss, what we are covering is the PR that would um, would have helped uh, Talk Talk um, with that event. Now, I'm sure Talk Talk, and I can't speak for them, but I'm guessing they would have had the PR consultants working on it. But clearly, they didn't have PR consultants working on it immediately. Yeah, um, and that's just unfortunate for them because they were one of the first to get a breach. So yeah. it's just that was just the nature of the beast, and I think a lot of people learned from that how to handle a. A, an event, um, but that's the beauty of the panel. You will get that instant PR response. Um, so it, th- there are benefits of having the policy because you know you've got this. You're tapping straight into PR. Now you may not have thought of PR yeah. as as part of the response. You you may be more interested that that, that you've got a, a denial of service, a ransomware attack, because uh, you want to get back online, but. Yeah. The consequence of that is that if you can't get back online, there is a PR element. Yeah. So some, some some clients don't necessarily think they need all the elements. They think they need one element because the immediate problem is fix it. Yeah. But actually, the longer term problem, as you quite rightly said, could be the PR. Yeah, public relations, yeah, yeah. comms, all that area. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, but you don't have this. I understand you not recover the share price, but you don't say well. Pre-breach, our monthly revenue was ten million euros. Post-breach, oh, it's, five, it's five million euros. Yes. So if you're looking, if you're saying, are we covering the share price fluctuation? No, we're no. not. If you're saying we're covering a loss of revenue, that would be classed as a business interruption. We'd have to oh. look at what what that looked like. Okay. But that would be a business interruption because you've 
if you can prove you that the loss was we were, we were X Y Z prior to yeah. loss, the breach happened, uh, and the subsequent result was we're actually now we're now right down we're down seventy percent on our our earnings, uh, and it's clearly evident um, that that the proximate cause of that yeah. was this event. That's absolutely what we're you okay. know, what, what we're here for. And what about directors and such like? Do they get is, to the extent directors may be exposed to some statutory directors and exposed to some kind of liability? Does that get picked up under the cyber insurance, or is that under the specific insurance of directors and officers? Um, directors and officers themselves would. The, the, the directors and officers insurance is, is, is their obligations and their, and their responsibilities as you know in the management of the company. So that that's. And, and part of that would be ensuring that you've got the right um, cyber security, etc., etc. So that's really where it should sit. That you know, a director or officer, um, as an employee, as as anyone um, would benefit as anyone else would from cyber. Yeah, as a but as a, in their capacity as a director, that would sit firmly in the directors and officers. Bucket. Okay. And 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 so directors and officers would that include the head, the chief privacy officer, or the DPO in a business typically, or is that does that is that taken for granted, or is that would that need to be uh, made well, explicit? Directors and officers, it's, it's funny because um, officers aren't defined, so um, it's uh, the, the, there is a broad definition of sig having significant. Um, I'm trying to think of the words, but um, and that's very from territory, say, territory, yeah, a bit. Like. Um, so I, I wouldn't necessarily, uh, if they if they are providing a significant role, I, I would say those guys should be should be uh, the DNO policy should 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 um, look look to cover the, the, the privacy officers etc cetera, etc. Cetera. But it, it depends on each company and are, are they actually involved in the in, in the running of the company or have they just got a, a function within it? If you get my meaning. No, no, understood. Okay, that's interesting. And in what circumstances would a insurer not pay out on a breach? So I'm thinking now, thinking about the, the, the big Equifax breach, which there was an Equifax breach in the UK. Well, well, no, it was all in the US. Some yeah. of it affected UK data, but the Equifax breach uh, in the US about three years ago, which cost them $314 million at one point in time to remedy and, and update everything. Um, that was a result of poor, they hadn't updated their, their software. Or yeah, poor the, hygiene really, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, look, the, the, the policy is actually, um, it, it's, it's, it's there to cover any covered loss. I mean, that's what all insurance is. But um, as long as the clients have note of, of at the time of buying the insurance, have um, adequately filled out the proposal form in, a, in an honest and open way. And uh, when they say, for example, we are uh, we are patching once a week, um, as long as they are patching once a week, then there, there is no issues. Um, now, if they miss it, if they miss it by a few days or whatever, that that's you know I can't talk for insurers, but I would be surprised if an insurer wouldn't respond to that because it's. Um, that's what the insurance is there for. I mean, that's you know, lack of patching is one way of getting into a system. If the client has never patched mm -hmm. uh, and only patches ad hoc, um, then there could be a situation where where insurers would turn around and say, "Well, you said you were patching once a week. You've only done it in the last six months. You know, the information you've given me 
um, allowed me to set a rate and I would have set a rate or not insured you had I known this, this information. So all I would say really, um, as with any insurance, you've just got to ensure that to the best of your ability you answer the questions correctly and, and disclose correctly um, what, what you do as an operation. Okay, and okay, now understood, that, that makes sense. And how do you think cyber is going to evolve uh, over the coming years? I mean, a couple of data points. I know that the, there's a, a report from the Podeman Institute from 2018, and they said they reckon that just over 25% of companies will have a data breach in the next 24 months, right? 25%, that's a quarter of companies, that's quite a large number. Uh, and also, I can't remember the data of the rest of the world. Um, uh, they said that the average breach in the UK took 163 days to detect, okay, just more or less half a year before, yeah. from the breach yeah. occurring to spotting. That's on one hand. So that's st things as they presently are. No doubt technology are getting better, people are getting better. On the other hand, we've got the, I the new GDPR fines, which haven't really kicked in properly yet, much bigger numbers than before. Mm -hmm. Um, we also have class actions starting, at least in the UK and probably the rest of the world. Sure. So um, the BA had a had a breach the other day, well, a year or two ago, 380,000 people affected. The loyalty cards, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. The, and I know that the law, one of the law firms handling the breach is claiming £1,000 per person. That's mm -hmm. £380 million. Big, it's a big number. It's, it's a big number. <laughs> yeah. So how is this going to develop? I mean, will insurers be, be much more rigorous and with people? I, I, yes, I mean, in short, yes, they will as the product develops. The loss ratios at the moment for insurers are, are, are low uh, as it's a developing product. Um, I could see certain areas where, um, where things are tightened up, um, particularly um, around... Um, Cyber security, but I can also see benefits occurring. So, for example, we, um, with one of our carriers, um, if there is a situation where they don't maybe have uh, commercial-grade antivirus, they don't have firewalls, and they don't have cloud um, storage, um, the insurers are now looking at giving that to some very small entities for free. So it. it helps them answer all those questions on the proposal form where they said no or they weren't sure, they can get an ancillary product for free, negotiated by the markets, um, which allow them to say yes and have the comfort of knowing that they are abiding by all the, all the terms and conditions of the policy. So I can see um, the policy offering some enhancements which aren't traditionally in the insurance arena. Um, but buying the insurance means you can get these additional products, which gives you much better um, um, cyber hygiene, call it what you like. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Other areas I can see where we, where product will be, or is being developed, um, is um, around the data breaches, really, is, is, is how a data breach occurs. So you've got, you've got these, this significant number um, uh, mentioned, but... Um, Data breach is, is not, not just some um, chap sat in his, um, in his, in his bedroom uh, and he's trying to hack into you. That's, that's quite a difficult way to get into your system. Social engineering is the way um, a lot of people are um, getting breached, whereby over a period of time someone may be ringing you up and somehow will get your, um, your, your name, the name of your 
pet, which may be your password, etc., etc. They get the enough information to be able to get into your system through a through a you know um, a social socially engineered environment. Now, traditionally in insurance, that would have been covered um, more under your bankers cr or crime cover, um, but actually they're getting that information and then they're using it for a cyber attack. Mm. So social engineering we're seeing as more of a, um, uh, a development um, and you could have argued a few years ago or a year or so ago that that was not a coverable event under cyber and now we're seeing that it is becoming a covered, a covered event under cyber if you're getting in via um, a socially engineered way. Okay, um, that's interesting. Okay, I've got, an, I've got two kind of follow-up questions from what you just said. Is, is cloud now perceived as higher There's a time when cloud started, you know, uh, people financial, particularly in financial services, muttered about the risks. Is it now is cloud seeing higher risk, lower risk, ordinary risk? Um, I, it's seen as, as less risky than, uh, than, than other storage uh, spots, but, you know, because it's being run by a professional operative who has commercial grade, state-of-the-art virus to protect the clouds than the cloud itself um, or the all the, oh, cloud is, is another machine that's storing yeah um, however they have vulnerabilities like anything else so uh, but I personally I still think the cloud is is, is the place to go because they are you know, part of what they offer is security surrounding that and they're much more able than the individual um, and I'm not sure that um, everyone who stores things on a USB, for example, is using an encrypted USB. So yeah. you could you could argue. So I, I would I would say at the moment, cloud is is the place to go. Um, but always being aware that you know that the the cloud is there to be, um, or, or the machine or the storage vehicle is there to be hacked as well. Um, mm -hmm. So and do and do the insurers talk about uh, talking about the um, social engineering? Is there do the insurance community, well, the cyber insurance community, provide a? Uh, this is the ongoing. You know, these are risks that we noticed last week. Is there a kind of, if someone wanted to get up to up to date of what the latest risks were, or the latest attacks? Is there? Is there? Is yeah, there's various. Um, the, the insurance industry per se uh, doesn't, uh, as a whole, doesn't put out, as far as I'm aware, doesn't put out uh, you know alerts as such. But there are various websites that do give you. Um, which are free, give you data breach um, information on a weekly basis, and it's just something that if I, I guess if you Google it, you'll. Uh, I think the one is actually called databreach.com, and it will just give you. I'll have to check that, but um, and I get regular updates coming into my inbox, um, so that that is fairly easy for for, for the guys out there to do. Um, if there is a and, and obviously the brokers role, if there if there has been a quite quite a major event and. The way that the the, um, the the event has occurred and it's very very new, uh, and we as brokers hear about it. Obviously, we do advise our clients that you know this is this has happened. Actually, this is quite an innovative way they got into the system. Mm -hmm. Are you aware of this? Um, and, and you know that's part of what we what we do. Um, the beauty of going to something like the, 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 these websites is they get they're collecting this data on a worldwide basis, whereas we're getting we'll only ever have a snapshot of what we're insuring. Yeah. You know, understood. Okay, and we're coming kind of up to the end of our t time slot. But if you were, would you have 
Would you have any words of advice for if someone's a DPO in a business or head privacy officer or you know, heavily involved in the data protection privacy in a particular business or organisation? Uh, would you have any particular kind of recommendations or word of advice as to what they should do in relation to uh, insurance in particular? Um, I mean, I can't, you, I can't tell anyone they've got to go and buy the insurance. I think the first thing to do is just to, just to e- explore it and actually find, I think they'd be pleasantly surprised that the, the, the breadth of cover that they can get from insurance. Maybe if they, look, if, if they looked at the insurance two years ago, they'll see, they'll see quite a big difference from two years ago to today of what we're trying to cover and how we're uh, trying to address it. Uh, we're trying to move the insurance at the same pace that the bad guys are trying to get into into the system. So it is developing quite quickly. So, um, of course, I'd say insurance is a great way to do it. But I would think um, if you look at the downsides of not having insurance and the cost of um, rebuilding a database or notifying all your clients versus the premiums at the moment because of the low loss ratios, I, I would have thought the, the economies would say, um, Cyber is a is a is a good alternative. Um, plus, you've got most importantly, you've got you've got best in class looking after you in the event an incident occurs, um, which you may not may or may not be able to afford normally in your normal course of business. So, um, um, I guess I'm saying you know explore it, see what it looks like. If it's right for your business, it's right. It's right for your business. But um, I think once. Most clients see the breadth of cover and what we can give and how we can tailor it to their conventional insurance. Um, they normally come down on the side of buying the cover. Mm, understood. Okay, that's that's really very helpful and very uh, informative. So thank you very much, uh, Richard. Pleasure. Pleasure. Um, thank you. Is it all right if I put your contact details up on the show notes? So people get touch absolutely yeah yeah. okay i'll do that so richard spray's contact details will be up in the show notes if you want to follow up with him if you have any questions Uh, i'll put a link to that report uh, i mentioned um, and other bits of information as they occur to me Um, that brings us to the end of another episode of gdpr now Um, if you have any questions or things you want to talk about um, please uh, drop me an email at info this is dpo.co.uk that will be on the show notes as well. Um, forthcoming episodes are going to cover uh, a review of cookie monitoring software. Uh, we'll have a session on uh, on a PrivSec, privacy security, uh, at some point, and other uh, breaking news stories. Thanks for listening, and speak to you next time. Thank you.